beginning in Joshua chapter 23, he has some assemblies of the people that he calls together and he's going to talk to them a little bit. He's going to prepare them for what comes next in their history. And in uh, these two chapters, Joshua wants to rehearse for the people of God all that God has done for them. He wants to remind them of some things. He goes all the way back to the promises that God gave to Abraham and then passed them down through Isaac and Jacob and how God fulfilled them when Moses came along and brought them out of the bondage of Egypt. He reminded them of God's power that God showed against all the gods of Egypt, against Pharaoh, how God delivered them, how God led them through the wilderness and gave them victory over their enemies. He reminds them of God's provisions. God gave them food to eat, uh, manna every day, water out of the rock. He reminded them of God's protection as they came into the promised land. And nation after nation came against them. And time after time, God gave them victory over and over again. Those reminders are necessary. By the way, you and I need them as well. We need to every now and then stop and remember the goodness of God and the help of God and the blessing of God in our lives. Two weeks from tonight, we'll observe the Lord's Supper together as a church family. The purpose of the Lord's Supper is to remind us of the, the cross and the death of Christ, how much he suffered to save us. Because you see, if we forget, we will soon forsake. It's just that simple. We forget how good God's been. We forget the lessons God's taught us. We will sooner or later forsake him and walk off out into the world. With all that Joshua said, we came to the verses that we read with Brother Carson tonight, and it begins with the words, now, therefore, because of God's blessing in the past, because he's kept his promises, uh, Joshua elsewhere has said there hath not failed one good word of all of his promises, not a single word has failed, now, therefore, it is a reasonable command for us to serve the Lord. It is not God being unfair or heavy-handed. God has done so much for us that if we did nothing for the, re the rest of our days but serve and praise God, I mean, we didn't go to work, we didn't do anything, uh, we would still never repay God after all he's done for us. It's a reasonable command. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 to, that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice, uh, he says, which is your reasonable service. God's not asking something that he does not deserve from us. So he said, now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. It is a reasonable command, but it, it makes for a responsible choice. In these verses that we've read a lot, he said, uh, uh, here's what you need to do. Because of all that God's done, you need to fear God, serve him in sincerity and truth. Don't go through the motions. Don't go through the motions. Why are we here tonight? Are we here because it's just expected? Is it, are we here just, well, that's what Baptists do? Or are we here because we love God. Are we here because we, we want to serve the Lord? We want to learn more. Uh, are we here? Are we the real deal? Serve the Lord in sincerity and in truth. He says, put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. Do, do you realize what, what Joshua is admitting to here? 
when the Israelites were in Egypt, they were serving Egyptian gods. They were serving Ra and Osiris and Isis and, and uh, you, you name the whole pantheons of gods. Not everybody was, uh, but a whole bunch of them just adopted and adapted to the lifestyle of ancient Egypt and their paganism. He said, um, you need to make sure that that's all gone from your life. No vestiges of that left with you. In verse 15, he says, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, capital L, capital O-R-D, that's talking about Jehovah. By the way, why would it seem evil to serve the Lord? Why would it seem evil to serve the Lord? Uh, is our God asking us to fly planes into buildings and immolate ourselves in the name of some false God? Is our God asking us to strap bombs to our children and parade them into uh, marketplaces and use a cell phone to detonate? Or is our God asking us to do anything like that? No, see, our God doesn't ask us to die for him. He died for us. Why would it be evil to serve the Lord? Joshua's putting some things out there. He wants these people to think it through. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were on the other side of the flood, talking about in Egypt on the other side of the Red Sea, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. You know, the gods that he drove out before you, the gods that couldn't help them against your God. He's reminding them, you've got the one true God. Why would it be evil for you to serve him? And then Joshua makes that famous statement, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I can't answer for you and you can't answer for me. I can't make you do right. I can't make you serve the Lord. Joshua understood that. He said, we're going to have to decide, but I want you to understand something. As far as I'm concerned, for me and my house, we're going to serve the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. We're not serving Ra, Osiris. We're not serving Molech or Baal or Balaam. We are going to serve Jehovah God. He's making a decision. He's making a responsible choice. And he said, I don't know who you're going to serve, but you're going to, you're going to serve somebody. So choose today who it's going to be. Verse 16. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And, and which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. This isn't Joshua talking now. This is the people in unison responding. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites, which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. I want you to notice that Joshua and the people of Israel of that generation made a responsible choice. They said, we're going to serve Jehovah God. We're not serving the gods of the Egyptians. We're not serving the gods of the Amorites. We are going to serve God. And they listed their reasons why in verses 17 and 18. I want you to notice their choice was a deliberate choice. We will serve the Lord. It was a deliberate 
choice. Just as no one climbs a mountain by accident, no one accidentally gets saved. Um, I, I told you that I read a book on soul winning one time uh, by a famous author. And uh, it had some very good stuff in there, but, um, but he uh, talked about how he one time went uh, to a house, knocked on the door, and uh, a man answered, invited him to come in, and so forth. And he, he went through the Romans road with, the, with these people, and uh, they, they just said, oh no, we've always been saved, we were born that way. And he said, my, my problem was I couldn't get them lost. I couldn't help them understand they were sinners who needed a savior. Um, and, and so forth. And, and so then he, he, he talked to them about church. He talked to them about all kinds of other things. And, uh, you know, they said, oh, yeah, we go to church. We've always gone to church uh, and so forth. And finally he said, do you have a family altar? Do you have a time where you get your family together um, and read the Bible and pray every day? They said, well, no, we, we've never even thought about that. This is sort of in years gone by type thing. And he said, uh, well, you need to establish a family altar. And he said, why don't we pray right now? And, uh, and uh, we'll, just, we'll just commit your home to Christ for a family altar. And they said, that sounds like good, uh, like a good thing. He says, now pray with me. And he had them repeat the sinner's prayer. He said, I tricked them into getting saved and they didn't even know it. That's not salvation. If there's been no conviction, there's been no conversion. Uh, you don't find anybody getting saved by accident or tricked into it. It is a deliberate choice. Um, and when we sit through a, a service, we sit through a presentation of the gospel and we, we just don't get saved. We are actually saying no to the gospel. We are making a choice. Even if we say I'll get saved later or, or, or not now, but someday we are saying no to the gospel. That's a deliberate choice either way. Nobody gets saved by, nobody surrenders to God by accident. It is a deliberate choice. And this message that Joshua is putting out in front of these people, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. These people listened to all that Joshua had said. They rehearsed some of it in those two verses and they said, we will serve the Lord. It was moms and dads making a decision for their family. They were saying, we're going to bring our children up in the nurture and ad admonition of the Lord. It was a deliberate choice. Nobody accidentally surrenders to Christ. A deliberate choice. It was a daily choice. It was a daily choice. Look, if you would, again, verse 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord... Choose you this day whom ye will serve. In, in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, can I get you to turn there for a moment? Luke chapter 9, verse 23. I preached with this as one of the text verses several Sunday nights ago. In Luke 9 and verse 23, the Savior is speaking. And he said... To them all, he's talking to his disciples. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross, next word, church, daily and follow me. Let him take up his cross, how often? Daily and follow me. I served the Lord yesterday. I got up yesterday morning 
and spent time in prayer. I came into the office. Uh, I, I opened my Bible. I spent time in the Word of God and in prayer here. Uh, Brother Steve Mulberg and I went out and went soul winning yesterday. God gave him a tremendous opportunity uh, to win a young man to Christ. Uh, right on the street in Meriden, a, a guy selling solar uh, energy type thing, 20-something-year-old young man trusted Christ as Savior. And Brother Stephen, I mean, we just rejoiced all over the place the whole way back. Um, and I spent the day in preparation for today, and I served the Lord yesterday. That was great, but that was yesterday. This morning, I had to get up and read my Bible afresh and anew. I needed to rededicate my time and my talents and my treasures to him today. And to the best of my ability, I have tried to serve the Lord today. I, I sadly don't feel like I've had the energy today that I wish that I had, but I gave it 100% in Sunday school. I gave 100% of what I had in church. I'm trying to do the same thing tonight. When the service is ended tonight, I'll take my little buddy Tommy and, and give the Urbanowitzes a much-needed vacation until Rob and Anna go away again. And uh, Tommy and I will go home and, and uh, spend a little bit of time. I'll get him put into bed. I'll spend a little time with the Lord. And by the time I go to bed tonight, I, I believe that I can honestly say that today I took up my cross and followed Christ. I did what God wanted me to do. And, and that's fine, and, and that's what I'm supposed to do. But understand this, tomorrow morning is not a church day. It, it's not an organized anything day. But tomorrow morning, I need to get up and take up my cross afresh and anew and serve Christ tomorrow. Tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, uh, I'm going to spend some time with, with Sam, my trainer. Um, God's working in his heart. And, and uh, last Sunday night, God, God just made major strides with what, some things that went on. I need, to, I need to be prayed up when I walk in there. Uh, I, I know I'm in there to, to gain some strength and, and, and get a little better at a few things, but, but, but the, the real reason I'm there is, is for him. I need, to, I need to be prayed up. I need to have read my Bible and walked with God. I have no idea what else is going to come across my path tomorrow. I have to take up my cross tomorrow. Then Tuesday morning, I got, uh, Tuesday morning I've got to do the same thing again, and so do you. It was a, it was a deliberate choice, and it was a daily choice. Far too many Christians are living off some decision that we made a long time ago. Teenagers are living off decisions you made at camp in June or living off a decision you made in August. Now, it's all right to have made them and it's all right to build on them and remember them, but we can't live off of yesterday's decisions any more than we can live off of yesterday's food. Every single day, there needs to be a renewal of our commitment to Christ. Because we are being pulled in multiple directions at all times, are we not? The world's out there trying to, to point us in one direction, and God's trying to point us in his. So every day, that deliberate choice needs to be made. I belong to God. This day is the day the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it and give ourselves afresh and anew. And that's what Joshua encouraged the people to do. Turn a couple pages over to Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2. The Bible says in verse number 6, and when Joshua had let the people go, Judges, the early part, is a continuation of Joshua 24. When Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. 
And the people served the Lord all the, what's the next word? Days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. Do you notice the emphasis on the word days, all the days of Joshua, all the days of the elders who had outlived him? It's a daily choice. It is a deliberate choice. Now, we're going to come back to Judges chapter 2 in just a moment, but I want us to understand a few other things about this choice that God's people were making at that day. Flip back to Joshua 24. It was not just a deliberate choice. We will serve the Lord. We're going to make it a point. Mom and dad say, we, we will serve the Lord. We will build a godly marriage. We will do our best to bring our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We can't make them get saved. We can't make them love God, but we're going to point them in the right direction. We're going to present to them the right example for them to follow. We're going to do everything we can within our power to make it easy for our children to know who God is. Um, a deliberate choice, a daily choice. We can't drop the ball. By the way, when David was a young man, he was a man after God's own heart. When he was a young soldier, he walked before the people. He conducted himself wisely in a perfect way. When his kingdom got established, one night, 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, just one night, David did not renew his commitment to live for God. He's the man that said, evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. It was David who said, seven times a day I will praise him. But on that one night, that one day, David decided I'm not going to battle like I'm supposed to just that one time. That one time. And that one night he ruined his family. That one night he ruined his testimony. That one night he committed sin that would dog him for years and years to come, just, just one time when he said, today, I'm going to do my thing instead of do what God wants me to do. It was a daily choice. It was a determined choice. Look back with me, Joshua 24. We, we read 16 through 18 where the people answered him, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Joshua is going to say something that on the surface doesn't make a lot of sense. Look at verse 19. Joshua said unto the people, ye cannot serve the Lord. Wait a minute, you just told them to. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. They said, we will serve the Lord. He says, no, you can't. You cannot serve the Lord for he is an holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that he hath done you good. Has anybody besides me read that passage and kind of scratch your head and said, what? Why is he telling me you can't serve the Lord? Uh, he's, a, he's a holy God. He's a jealous God and so on and so forth. Here's what Joshua is saying. Don't you dare mess with God. Don't you dare mess with God. Don't you dare make this flippant thing. Oh, yeah, I love God. Oh, oh yeah, I'm saved. Oh, oh yeah, I'm going to serve the Lord. But you, you don't really mean that. 
You're just, you're just saying what I want to hear. Or maybe even you're just saying what God wants to hear, but, but you got a double heart. You're a double-minded man uh, that James describes as being unstable in all his ways. It's just lip service. Later on, the prophets Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel uh, would all have messages from the Lord saying, this people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Uh, Joshua isn't saying, uh, you know, uh, no, I just messing with you folks. God doesn't want you. God, he wasn't saying that. He was saying, don't you try to mess with God. Don't play games with God. Um, too many, too many so-called Christians do that. The Bible is a book that we use to measure what everybody else is supposed to do, but it doesn't apply to us. Joshua says, you, don't, don't you do that. Don't you mess with God like that. And he's, he's putting it out there. He's not making this easy for them. Saying, look, you give him lip service and say, oh, today we're going we're gonna to serve the Lord. But then you're going out and you're, you're worshiping other idols in your backyard or, or you're going to forsake the Lord. You understand this. God's going to deal with you accordingly. Verse 21, and the people said unto Joshua, nay, but we will serve the Lord. They've been rebuked and warned against making a false profession, making a false decision, going forward because everybody else did, going forward because uh, that, that was what was expected of us compared to going forward because I want God in my life with every fiber of my being. I want to honor God. God's spoken in my heart. I'm going to yield to God. Joshua's put it out there. You don't play with God like that. He's a jealous God. He's not going to deal with that lightly. The people understand that. Nay, but we will serve the Lord. Verse 22, and Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves that ye have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. They're, if you will, signing their name to the contract. We mean business with God. We've been studying on Wednesday night in Acts chapter 20, the great apostle Paul. We talked about the fact that he's telling the elders at the church of Ephesus that uh, the Holy Spirit has warned him in every single place he goes that when he gets to Jerusalem, that bonds and imprisonment abide him or are waiting for him. But he knows what God wants him to do. And we've, been, we've looked at verse 24. I'll just read it for you. He says, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I've received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul not only made a deliberate choice, he made a determined choice. I'm going to follow through. I'm going to follow through on this. I mentioned oftentimes that in the last few years, I've begun following a lot of uh, amputee individuals in various walks of life. Not all that long ago, there was a gentleman who is uh, an above-the-knee amputee who climbed Mount Everest. He climbed Mount Everest. He was, at that time, he was the first above-the-knee amputee to do so. You know, he didn't just wake up one day and say, hey, that sounds like a fun thing to do because I don't see anything fun about it. It's life-threatening. 
they say that there's a trail of bodies along the, the route up to the peak of Mount Everest uh, that, that just are there, people that tried to, to uh, gain the summit and uh, fell to their death and nobody can really get to them uh, and so forth. This guy just determined, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to overcome my disability and, and I'm going to uh, climb that mountain. And he did so. It was not just a deliberate choice. It was a very determined choice on his part. There's nothing more important than serving the Lord. By the way, there's nothing better than serving the Lord. They're just, they're just really hidden. I got saved as a teenager and started finding out that God had a plan for my life. And uh, the, the little course I've decided to follow Jesus was a regular part of our youth program and, and the, the, uh, the rallies and conferences and camps and so forth that we went to. And, and long before I surrendered to preach, uh, I surrendered things like I'm not going to drink alcohol. I surrendered the fact I want to be a soul winner. I surrendered the fact I'm going to read my Bible. Uh, I, I surrendered the fact I want to be in church every time the doors were open. Just those daily parts of the Christian life. And then, of course, at the age of 16, God called me to preach, and I surrendered to that. And it is a call that I've had to go back from time to time and, and if you will, renew because other things pulled away. Uh, I've had opportunities to do other things but God had a different plan for my life, and here I am at age 65, and I'm not regretting the choices that I made. I'm not at all. I'm not struggling with addiction because as a young person, I decided to go that route. Um, I'm, I'm just thankful for, for that. It's a great thing to serve the Lord, but somewhere along the line, we have to decide that we're going to follow through in those decisions, and these people, Joshua made them do that. He put it out there saying, don't mess with God on this. Don't, don't you think you're fooling God for a moment because if you try that, God's going to deal with you. And they said, nay, but we will serve the Lord. Turn to chapter 2 again. It was a defining choice. It was a defining choice. Choices have consequences. Choices have consequences. If after the service tonight... I was thirsty and decided, you know what? I think I'm going to have an energy drink. That choice is going to have some consequences. Number one, my pledge allegiance is going to get a whole lot more intense. Number two, I will be awake all night long and all day tomorrow. Because you see, I can't do caffeine intake you know, after about three o'clock in the afternoon and, and energy drinks aren't good for me uh, right now. Anyhow, choices have consequences. They just, they just always do. Uh, we looked in Joshua chapter two uh, and we're gonna reread uh, verse seven and then a few verses. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. I'm watching a docu documentary series of never released footage from World War II. And much of the, the conversation in the very first episode has been defining what history now calls the greatest generation. 
the young men uh, by the millions who answered the call and went either to the European theater, to the Pacific theater, and uh, untold numbers of them perished in the, in the process, but they delivered the entire world uh, from fascism in, in all different forms. They're called the greatest generation. Joshua and his generation in biblical terms, they were the greatest generation. They conquered the land that a previous generation shied away from. They conquered the giants that the previous generation said are too big for us. And notice that the people, the ones who said, nay, but we will serve the Lord. They did so all the days of Joshua, the elders that outlived them. Joshua dies in verse eight, being 110 years old. They buried him in the border of his inheritance in timnath Heris in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill Gaash. And also all that generation were gathered under their fathers. That's, they're the ones that said, nay, but we will serve the Lord. We're not messing around. We mean business for God. And they did it. The Bible says they served the Lord. And also all that generation were gathered under their fathers. And notice this. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtoreth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them. And he sold them into the hand of their enemies round about so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil as the Lord had said and as the Lord had sworn unto him. And they were greatly distressed. Our choices have consequences. And in Joshua's day, that group of people that were challenged, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. And they said, we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said, don't mess with God. You, you, you can't serve God and Balaam. You can't do all those things. Uh, if you forsake the Lord, God will forsake you and you can't do that. And the people made that de deliberate, determined choice. Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And for their entire lifetime, they had peace. They had victory over their enemies. They had no war. The first time in a generation, there was no war. But the generation that made that decision died off. And another generation came along and they said, you know, about this God stuff that our parents served and talked about and all that, that in the, back in the old days, we don't need that. They made a different choice. And they served, the Bible says, the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto, unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. Their decision also had a consequence. They got God mad at them. God turned on them. And God brought them into captivity. And uh, the, the generation that served the Lord and saw victory was followed by a generation that said, we're going to serve other gods. And they saw nothing but defeat. And for the next 450 years, that will be their story over and over and over again. Our decisions, whether or not we're truly 
going to serve God or we're just going through the motions. They are defining choices. My wife comes from a family with tremendous longevity. It, it just goes back another generations. Um, I knew growing up, uh, I knew one grandmother. My uh, grandfather and grandmother on my mom's side passed away when I was just a little bitty boy. Uh, I barely have but fleeting memories uh, of Robert and Catherine Black. Um, I, I mostly I remember going to their funerals as like a three-year-old. But my, my dad's mom, I remember her. Uh, she lived up until after Trina and I got married. But on Trina's side of the family, she knew her grandparents. She knew her great-grandparents. She knew her great-greats. It was not unusual for, is not unusual in her family, uh, for them to live into their hundred and something. Her grandfather was 103 when he passed away. Um, and, and so Trina had that privilege of knowing them. Trina often talked to me a little bit about the family heritage and, and that type of thing. And uh, her great-grandmother was a very godly, godly woman. Um, she was very devout. She went to church. She read her Bible. Um, she lived a very godly life. Everybody in the family respected this, this dear lady, um, and Trina knew her. Um, now, she died while Trina was still a, a, a child, probably like nine or ten years of age, but Trina had the privilege of knowing her and being around her a little bit. And um, uh, so, so there, there was this godly heritage, this, this great-grandmother. Trina's grandfather um, was a good man. Uh, Ralph was just really a, a kind man. He's extremely well-respected uh, in Tip City, Ohio, highly intelligent man. Uh, in World War II, he, he uh, helped develop and design the bomb sites that they used in the bombers over Germany. Um, and uh, he, he was, he was uh, one, he just one of those brainiac type guys. He was a lifelong uh, jeweler, uh, a watch and clock collector, uh, so on and so forth. Um, Ralph was raised by Trina's great-grandmother, obviously, that godly lady. When Ralph was 17, 18 years of age, he made a goal for himself. Now, we're talking, we're, we're talking 1920s, early 1930s. We're talking Great Depression era. He made, the, he made the decision in his heart, I will be a millionaire. I'm gonna be a millionaire. You understand what he was saying was a lot in the Great Depression people were just hoping to get enough food to eat for the day. He said, someday I will be a millionaire. He was a moral man. He was a good man. He was a hardworking man. But his God was spelled M-O-N-E-Y. And he, he achieved it. He achieved it. By the time he passed away, he had achieved his goal. But unlike his grandmother who had a goal of serving and pleasing God, here's a good man who made a decision, I will be a millionaire. And he raised his sons to think that money was the all-important thing. His sons were successful. His sons made good money. His sons provided good security. But his sons grew up without God. 
Are you you're listening to me? His sons grew up without God. They didn't go to church because the God of this book wasn't the God of that home. Money was the God. Do you understand? By the way, I, I, I loved Trina's grandfather. He got saved. Um, Carl Hatch, some of you may know that name, a great soul winner, came by that house uh, one day and led Trina's grandfather to faith in Christ. Um, and, and so I know when he died, he went to heaven. I believe that with all of my heart. But you understand, because of her grandfather's decision, my wife grew up a bus kid. Think about that for a moment. The choice of a grandfather to say, money's my all-important thing. My wife grew up a bus kid. I've shared little tidbits that she shared with me about the home that she grew up in. I wonder what it would have been like if her grandfather would have made the same decision that his mother made as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It might just have been, if, if that had been the case, Trina's dad wouldn't have been an alcoholic. He wouldn't have been in drugs. He wouldn't have followed that pattern for his life and she would have grown up in a different home. That's why when she came of age for herself and she's grown up and she met that great grandmother, and she loved and respected her grandfather. He helped raise her during some very difficult times in her life. Um, and, and he loved her dearly. I'm, I'm not trying to put him down. He was not a bad man. It just God wasn't his God. She knew that great grandmother. She knew that heritage. And even her grandfather talked about what his mother was like in her faith. When Trina became a teenager, she said, if I ever get married and God ever lets me have children, I'm going to do it like my great-grandmother did. And she made a deliberate choice that she was going to serve the Lord. And she gave her children a different life than she was given. How many, how many understand that? These decisions about serving the Lord are, are not to be taken lightly because they define everything that's going to follow in the generations to come. So one last time, Judges, I'm sorry, Joshua chapter 24. Now therefore fear the Lord, verse 14, and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Stop putting on a show. Stop going through the motions. Stop giving God lip service in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. Get rid of all the wickedness of your past. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood back in Egypt or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Joshua said, but I don't know what you're gonna do and I, I have no control over that, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. And we read through their reasoning for that decision in verses 17 and 18. Joshua said unto the people, verse 19, you cannot serve the Lord for he's an holy God. He's a jealous God. He won't forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that he hath done you good. Don't mess with God. Don't mess with God. This is, this is important stuff. And the people said unto Joshua, nay, but we will 
serve the Lord. A deliberate choice. We know that it was a daily choice. We know that it was a determined choice because that generation served the Lord all of their days. And it was a defining choice because it brought the blessing and the safety of God down upon them. But every generation has to choose for themselves. Every generation choose well. Father in heaven, thank you for the word of God. This is a sobering.